This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and assalamu alaikum. I'm Ian Turner. Welcome to Garden of Sound. It's important that I say something about the attacks of last week. I texted one of my old colleagues who is Muslim on the evening of the attacks to see if she was all right, and she was, but two of her relatives had lost their lives. I found myself apologising on behalf of the whole of New Zealand. I was absolutely shocked that something like this could happen here to our Muslim brothers and sisters in the Garden City. I don't have any answers except to preach tolerance and understanding and to step out of your comfort zone once in a while and learn more about all of the wonderful people you share this city with. In fact, you may share any city in the world with. Today, in a much less sombre tone, a fantastic music theatre talent in the form of the 25-year-old Caleb Jago Ward. And I say 25 as he exudes the confidence and charisma of someone far older. You may have recently seen him in Jesus Christ Superstar at the Court Theatre. Very soon he'll be treading the boards of the Isaac Theatre Royal in We Will Rock You. I caught up with Caleb before the events of March 15th to talk puppets, drag, the voice and so much more. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Caleb Jago Ward on Plains FM 96.9. Caleb, can you tell me about the first time that music entered your consciousness? My consciousness. Oh, when you say that, it makes me want to just sort of reimagine being an infant or, or a child coming out of the womb. I don't really remember, to be honest. I think I hear music or remember music in the ways that most people do. If their parents played music, maybe they didn't and they were, you know, deprived. But I can hear the music that my father plays, my mother plays, my granddad plays, because they all loved music. None of them sung or, or played. Um, well, my granddad did play guitar at the church, but he, he wasn't he wasn't um, performing, you know, anywhere really. Just just in the church, um, and that's yeah, that that's my earliest memory. It's just on the radio. Mum was listening to Shania Twain and Lauryn Hill. Dad was listening to Boys to Men and lots of R and B. Granddad was listening to the Beatles and any of that kind of like sixties British rock. He was there, so the the sound was eclectic for me, and um, that's how I remember it. What was the music scene like in Wainui Amata growing up? Were the local bands doing things? If anybody who's listening knows what Wainui Amata is, that, that's definitely a joke question. It's close to Wellington, isn't it? It's, I mean, yeah. I, I describe it, and if you look at it geographically, it's the appendix of Wellington. And I mean that. So if you look at it, it literally looks like an appendix, but also you could get rid of it. You don't really need it. But I hear it's booming. I hear they're building houses there and it's cheaper to live there. But no, no music scene. Where I started in music was at the church. So the church for me is the center of music. But Wainui is not the center of music. So where did your musical education come from? Was there any formal education? No formal education. Just listening. Once again, anything that my family played and then being in the church. You know, the music's live. You've got a band there and several singers. And I joined the church band because I was playing guitar on my own just at home, just, you know, muddling around, learning chords, mostly to, to, to the Beatles songs. 
And then my first performance was in, in Wainui on like the back of a trailer at sort of like a Christmas in the Park situation in, in Wainui. And that's where I first kind of uttered words to an audience. And my family came and they'd never heard me sing before and they were so terrified that I would be terrible. Especially my auntie who was v- very, very, you know, honest and straight up. And she was like, I, I was terrified that you'd be bad because I would just have to tell you that I thought you were terrible. So there was no rehearsing around home? N- no, 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 no. And still to this day, like the, the formal education, I've had lessons with some great people in Melbourne, and that's singing as well. And I learned through impersonations, technically, and that's why I would also call myself a theatre artist if anyone asks what I do. It's because I, I've, I, f- I feel like I can sing any genre. I may be wrong, but, you know, I, I, I'm doing about to do We'll Rock You, and I, be, I perform with the Ten Tenors, and they got me to sing classical and... 15-part harmonies that I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but, you know. That very first performance, you're on the back of a truck or a, mm. a trailer. Yeah, a what was the reaction like from the crowd? Oh, I don't remember. They, they enjoyed it. You know, it was just a little community thing, and they were happy to be there and happy to be entertained, and it's Christmas time. And But, no, my, my, my family were delightfully surprised. Um, they seemed to enjoy it. So that reaction, at least, did that inspire you to sort of carry on and do more? I was 11 or 12 years old, so you move past that and um, I'm 18 years old and really having to make a decision about what I want to do. And most of my family were not horrified because I've, I've always been my own person and made my own decisions, but they still would have liked me to, you know, get some formal training, go to university or, or such. But um, no, I, I, I felt an inspiration in myself through, through music and my own relationship with music. It was never because anyone encouraged me or told me I was incredible. Has anyone told you you're incredible? Of course, of course, many times. I think that, and I can only say of course w- without um, worrying about ego because I wouldn't be doing this and being paid if that wasn't true. Well, you'd hope not, you know. Was there anything outside of the musical realm that interested you? I decided to be a singer last minute. But during high school, I was doing, you know, a couple of productions here and there. Um, I really loved to write. I thought... As it got closer to the time to go to university, university, I was going to get into journalism because then I would go to school and there would be a performance side to it and I could please my family and also please myself. Um, but I thought, no, 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 forget about that. Um, when I was 16 or 17, I was at Youth Parliament representing Ōtaki, the member Nathan Guy, the National Party. I was 16, so was a lefty, well, naturally being an artist as well. But it didn't matter because when it got to the general debate in the House, we'd, you know, we'd sit in the House of Representatives and had a little speech. Um, it, it could be about whatever we wanted. It wasn't really about sides. But it was boring. Um, <laughs> it was fascinating. And I love the institution and the, and, the, and the buildings and the procedure. I liked, I liked to watch that. But sitting there, I thought, oh, gosh, this is, this is not what I want to do. Mostly because the kids that were there, they, I mean, when you are that age, if you are passionate, you can sometimes come across come across self-important. And there were a lot of kids who thought they knew all the things about the world and they were going to change the world, which is great and wonderful that they were so inspired. But I just thought, oh, this is phony. I've got to get out of here. So that was a fun experience, but not a politician. But for years, people at school would say, oh, you're going to be in parliament one day. But, well, I mean, maybe. Give me 40 years um, or so, but not anytime soon. You've talked about writing. Has there been any writing since that initial thought? Not any professional writing. No, I just I just write for myself, you know, a poetry or not really lyrics, more poetry more than anything. Um, yeah. You describe yourself as a, 
I think you used the word chameleon or something along those lines, uh, or being able to uh, do any any style yeah. asked of you. So influences, which artists sort of bring joy to your soul, or you know, have you aspired mm. to to be like or recreate their sound at least? I remember when I was growing up, I would sing along and impersonate, and I was worried when I would sing along to people like Elvis or the Beatles. Elvis was my first. You know, my, my first idol for me, I remember being like seven or eight years old and getting a, like one of those three CDs, like Ultimate Elvis Presley. Oh, it made it made my world. Um, and always worried that if I sung to them too often, then I, would, I wouldn't find my own voice, that I would just sound like them. And I can't even remember the stage at which that switched over. Um, but now I feel that when I listen to recordings that I do, I just hear blends of lots of different people, but it's still Caleb. So I've never tried to emulate anyone's sound, I, I don't feel. Although people listen to my voice and might say, oh, you sound like this or you sound like that. But generally people have said to me that I just sound like Caleb, which is a good thing. But for, for me, uh, influence-wise, yeah, Elvis, the Beatles, probably in order would be that way. And then once I was in high school, it was all rock. I'd listen to uh, Cream and Elton John, you know, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I bought that when I was 15 years old with the spare $20 I had from Borders. And I listened to that on repeat. I've listened to every Beatles album. I used to do it as a kid and just sit and play all those songs. Um, and then once I left school, I spent a little bit more time dabbling and listening to musical theatre because I, I assume that's what I would be doing more. I don't really enjoy to listen to musical theatre. Um, it's very rare that I find an album that really, that really connects with me. And then more recently, like in the last year and a half, I've listened to a lot more R&B and gospel, which has been really great. I mean, with Aretha passing, she came along, Yolanda Adams, um, and a whole bunch of other artists that I guess people, I don't, know if they, I don't know if you guys listen to them, but anything, anything that gets played in the church, anything with soul, yeah, that's been me lately, but then here I am doing rock musicals, so there you go. But the, the root of that being whatever it is, it's kind of like, it's all malleable, it's all, it's all intertwined, so... Mm. Is there a track from any of those artists or maybe somebody else that uh, you'd like to play for us now? Yeah, Stevie Wonder. I've been thinking about what it would be. Songs in the Key of Life, that album. I, and I listened to it again just before talking to you while I was sitting in Hagley Park. And um, beautiful. It still gets me the same way it did. The song would be Summer Soft. It's a song written about seasons, but then he relates it obviously to people he knows and to love. So, ah, oh, nature and people intertwining are beautiful. Two old blue kisses die the morning off In the midst of herself playing Santa Claus She brings gifts through her breeze Morning rain Gently plays her rhythms on your window pane Giving you no clue of when she plans to change To bring rain or sun and so you wake to see what she'll do Is it sun or rain for you But it breaks your heart in two
till he begins forcing dangerous ways with his This is the Garden of Sound interview with Caleb Jago Ward on Plains FM 96.9. We all know that feeling. Wife's out of town with the kids. All your friends are busy. You've got the house to yourself. No one's watching. So what do you do? Don't stop me now. Ah, yes, the ultimate guilty pleasure. But from the 29th of March, it's time to wear your love of Queen with the same pride that Freddie wore his moustache. When the renowned musical We Will Rock You, written by Queen and comedy genius Ben Elton, opens in Christchurch. Showbiz Christchurch presents the Saunders & Co. season of We Will Rock You at the Isaac Theatre Royal from March 29 to April 13. Tickets available from Ticketek. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Caleb Jago Ward playing Galileo in the upcoming production of We Will Rock You. That's me. I want to talk about gigs that you've been along to. What was the first 
first concert you attended? The irony about what I do is that people ask me, what concerts have you been to? And I say, not many. Let's take teenage Caleb. Teenage did Caleb. Did he see anything? No, but he did. He did. He saw this one performance that I, I will never forget. 11 or 12 years old at the Michael Fowler Center, Tommy Emmanuel played. Gorgeous, gorgeous. I, I started to listen to him because my granddad played guitar and that was my inspiration to learn and I picked it up and then we'd start to go to guitar stores and I'd look at all you know, these beautiful instruments all made out of different kinds of wood and, and you know abalone and cedar and whatever else you know all the all these words that i don't even think about anymore because i don't really look at guitars but it was kind of like a car magazine to me i'd look at these guitars oh they're so beautiful so i became quite enamored with um maiden guitars which i made in australia and were uh, to some people most famously played by tommy Emmanuel. so there's just this one man on stage with his axe this i mean it's tiny too this model of guitar he had and the you know single spotlight and the sound that he got out of that guitar was just i mean i'd never i'd never heard or seen anything like it and in fact i don't i haven't again is the crazy thing about it i haven't really seen someone work an instrument quite quite like that it just became a part of his body it was like he was singing through what he did with his fingers and i do remember crying just sitting there as an 11 or 12 year old crying and being ashamed to be crying i'm sitting next to my granddad who's bought the tickets for us thinking why am I crying at this concert? Where, no, nothing's really happening. There's no story, right, that I can tell or that has been portrayed to me any other traditional way through television or however else. But as I know now, as a you know, as a 25 year old, he absolutely was telling a story. I just didn't understand that. But I will never forget that that concert because of that feeling that I had and the way I was able to understand without understanding at the same time. If that makes sense. Any other particular tracks which draw that emotion out of you? Even just mentioning songs in the key of life, yeah, th- those are the kind of those are the kind of tunes that that are so simple melodically in the way they're arranged. They kind of feel like jams, you know. Especially on that album, I just feel like Stevie Wonder just sat in a room, you know, with his with his brothers and sisters, like, "Come one, come all, and let's just let's just make music." And that's what it is, right? And I feel like I'm sure that for Tommy Emmanuel, he had a set list and he knew what he was playing, but because it is just him too, he can take liberty with that and just play it however he wants any night and give you the emotional the betrayal that 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 he wants but I, I can't think of a single song that makes me feel that same way because that was a pretty special feeling going back to the shows uh, any particular pieces of music theater you say you don't listen to them mm. but you must have seen a few shows yeah oh, in your yeah, time yeah, yeah, yeah. what's your what's your top show what's your or at least the best performance you've seen of a particular musical Oh, okay. Because top top show for me would be, and it's contemporary, but Dear Evan Hansen is one, which seems to be making waves in the contemporary scene, which is super cool. It's cool seeing a lot of kids who are my age and younger being really drawn to musical theatre through through the pop medium, which some people don't agree with. You know, let's keep it classical. But hey, when I when I went, it was. It, it, it was the youngest theatre audience I've ever seen in a theatre. It was incredible, and everybody was crying. Everyone. It was it was sad, but but magical. Um, my favourite performance ever was a, a show I saw. This was 2017. I saw Dear Evan Hansen. I also saw Waitress, and I saw Jesse Mueller play that role, Tony Award winner. And I don't think I've ever seen someone perform on stage quite like the way she did. It was just very very natural. It was as, it was as if she wasn't performing at all. She just embodied it. She was there. She sang the song. She moved around. She said the lines, but. If you forget you're watching a show, that's when you know. That's when you know it's magic, and that that, would, that was that for me. 
being on stage can be somewhat nerve-wracking, perhaps, mm. in, a, in a new production. Yeah. Um, the audition process as well can be uh, quite daunting. At times, yes. Have you had any sort of nightmare audition scenarios? Oh. Car accidents, perhaps yeah. late, under the weather, ate something dodgy the night before. Well, just to let you know, I do. I, we all get nervous, and the way I do that is by going to the bathroom. So n- always had an audition. I need to make sure the bathroom's close by. But no accidents, you know, mid-song. You know, we're not, we're not hitting a, a poo flat. Um, no, no disasters, which is good. No, no real train wrecks, you know. So no, not, Nothing no. you've walked out of and gone, oh, I absolutely blew it. Yeah, no. No, which is good. I've, I've never blown it. Oh, I've never thought about that. That makes me feel really good. What Although a, I do like to have a bad story. That's always fun, but I don't have one. <laughs> what this. about on stage? Yeah, things not being there at the right time. The most immediate one I can think of is when I did Hairspray back in 2014. And we did that at Sky City Theatre. And there's a scene where Link Larkin runs on to save Tracy Turnblad because she's in prison. And I, I don't know what's happened, but whoever's pushed her prison on, she's in the standalone single prison, whoever's pushed it on hasn't like latched the door. So I run on to say, Tracy, I've come here to save you. And the door is wide open. And so the audience starts wetting their pants. I get half of the line. I'm like, what are they laughing at? Because I can't quite see the doors open. And the door just slowly. And we have to wait a good 10 seconds for the door to close. And once the door has closed, we continue the scene. And that's good. I like it when the audience can buy in too. And they they had an idea long before I did of what was going on and thought it was hilarious. And Hairspray is not the musical... It's not a musical where you break the fourth wall, but when you have when you get the opportunity to do that, it's quite nice because it makes you feel like, oh, we are all together. We're not separate at this moment. You know, this is the theatre. What what kind of advice would you pass on to somebody wanting to to break into the profession? Well, I would have said to me, just do it and don't stress about whether it's the right job or the right moment or the right path. Because it's very easy when when people quiz you about it to say, you know, what road are you taking and how will you get there? Most successful people, I think, will probably tell you that half the time they don't really know, they just take a step. And so if you are so nervous that you never take a step, well, you'll never get anywhere. But I I moved to Australia to do professional musical theatre and to be in blockbuster musicals that happen in the theatres. I still haven't done one, but I have been working solidly for years now. So you go, well, I must have done something right. And it's just that I just took the job. Uh, Are you a puppeteer? No, but I'll do it. Are you a drag queen? No, but I'll do it. You just say yes. And then what happens is, or what's happened to me, is that by doing each of these separate jobs, I've actually built a new identity around myself or just understood more about myself. One one thing being in particular for me, like doing drag, was a real eye-opener to do with sexuality and how I see myself in terms of that. It's like... I, I, I dress up as a woman, I you know, have a bra and bikini on, and, and the way men might look at me on stage is just like, oh, they think I'm beautiful. Oh, they want to, oh, they want to touch me? That's, you go, what, what, how is that? Because as, as a boy undressed, they, they wouldn't notice me. But all of a sudden, I, I dress myself in a certain way or I, I pick a certain persona and people treat me differently. It's like, oh, there's, there's power in how we choose to present ourselves. But, but I digress, each and everything that I have done and said yes to hasn't been a mistake. I've been a part of bad shows <laughs> and shows you kind of think, I wish I never did that. But there's always something from an experience you can take away. And, and I say, look, life is difficult without theatre, without music. Like if you can find solace in that, 
then you should hold on to that. And that's what I try and do with every job. Even if the show's terrible, I meet great people. If the if the people are terrible, that can happen too. At least the show was great and taught me something. So, But don't say no. Don't sit around, oh, no, I won't take that. I'm just waiting for the right moment. I want to hear more about the shows. But before that, have you got a favorite track that you've kept with you always? Something you've always enjoyed and loved? Always loved. From the White Album by the Beatles, the song Martha, My Dear. When people ask me about the Beatles, because I'll talk about it and say, I love that band. Well, what song do you like, aside from whatever they know, which would be Help or Yesterday or one of those classics? I say, Martha, My Dear, and I always make people listen to it, because I say, this is one of the songs, although an obscure track, if you don't know who the Beatles are, is because this song shows to me that they that they were ahead of the game because I hear the song and I go if you if you just take that and modernize it slightly you could play it on the radio today the horn arrangements the guitar melodically I'm like this is like british pop it was happening way early I think that's really cool when I hear it now I still go yeah that's great that's great It is competition time. This is your chance to win an A-reserve pair of tickets to We Will Rock You, opening March 29th at the Isaac Theatre Royal. To enter, just head to gardenofsound.nz and click on the We Will Rock You banner on the front page.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Caleb Jago Ward playing Galileo in the upcoming production of We Will Rock You. Caleb, mm. here we go. We'll get to that in the next section of the of show. Course. Tell me about a moment in your life when something went swimmingly and you had a fabulous time and you loved it that's music related. Actually, I won't even talk about a completely perfect project, but I was just talking about previously how sometimes you can take good and bad from projects. Jesus Christ Superstar, which I just did, wonderfully rewarding, like so, so, so rewarding. And this was at the Court Theatre in Christchurch? Just last year, the summer season, I played Judas. Now... It's a tough role. It's one of the biggest vocal roles for a man in musical theatre or just full stop. Um, And within that, a story that is so dark, um, so really, was really, really emotionally taxing for me. Now, I knew that before I went in, but I was excited to do it. And we built this this show that that I was really, really proud of. But as it went along, it was one of those things where... If people ask you, you know, are you loving the show? Like, do you want it to go on forever? You say, I'm loving the show, but I'm ready for it to end. The reason being, the story was incredible to tell and you don't often get an opportunity to sing a score like that and to hold an audience the way we were able to. But after the show, I would just be knackered and all I could really do during that season was do the show. I think about people who do these seasons on Broadway, you know, and this this show has been on Broadway and I don't know how long it was on for, but I assume it was for a couple of years at least. And I just could not imagine singing this role for two years straight. I couldn't imagine singing this role for three months straight. What happened? I ended up getting sick towards the end of the season because someone someone got strep in my house, so it just went around and I didn't get to do the last two shows in the end. So it's just like, it's a big one. Although there have been other shows that I've done where I've gotten sick and because it's not so demanding, you can go on and it's fine, you know, you're just hitting it. And a top note of A, if anything, but when you're getting into C's and D's, it's like, they weren't there. They weren't there. The, the, the other one that I like absolutely remember was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I could do that show again and again. So Jesus Christ Superstar, couldn't do it forever. Priscilla, the Queen of the Desert, could do it forever. What a joy. What a joy of a show to do. And I did that with Norwegian Cruise Lines, and we did that through Europe and the Caribbean. Um, the audiences in Europe were... They, they received it very well. The audiences in America had very different ideas. We came out of Florida. A little more puritanical. Yeah. Well, that's tough. A lot of people walk out. And, what, were they, what did they think they were booking into? I really don't know. I really don't know. But they made complaints about us. You know, we were promoting the gay lifestyle and all this sort of thing. And we thought, oh, well, you know, if you want to leave, you leave. That's fine. But um, some people did stay through till the very end with their frowns on their face. But... Then there were quite a few people who you did notice a change, which was nice. Um, but the, they would always walk out in my number because I came from from the roof in this diamond ring wearing a dress. And then the dress was torn off me by these four men. And I'm wearing these like, you know, thigh-high boots and a corset and undies. And they were like, okay, well, this is the gayest thing I've ever seen. And I'm leaving now. I do have to ask, just taking it back to Superstar. Yeah. Who's your, who's your favorite Judas? Who's your favorite person? Who's- John Stevens. Yeah, it wasn't until I heard John do it that I that I I thought I want to do this show. Before that, I thought, oh, this is a bit cheesy. This is a bit naff. We saw the we watched the film when I was in primary school. I don't even remember what happened, but I don't remember being impressed. <laughs> but yeah, John, John's voice, man, and and then Farnsey as well. I love John Farnham. I love John Farnham. So to have them together in one show was like, yeah, don't get much better than that when it comes to rock and roll. That was pretty cool. You were also on The Voice. In Australia. Was I? 
Yes. I forgot about that. It was I, so long ago. I, I do believe. Yeah. Um, I do declare. What did you take away from that television program? Because it's not a music contest, is it? It's a television program. Yeah. It's a television program. I didn't take away a lot because I left my money there in my soul. So, Is that too honest? <laughs> lots of people have Please asked. Please explain. Me. I know. Lots of people have asked me about this experience. Naturally, because it's... It's, it's, it's a thing. Yeah, it's television it. and it's yeah. commercial and people that don't even understand what I do as a job suddenly feel like they understand what I do because I was on a television show. What did, what did it do for you? What it did for me is it made me realise the kind of thing I didn't want to do. And what I didn't want to do was to put myself in a situation, or what I, what, I, what I realized I wouldn't do after that, was put myself in a situation that was so vulnerable when I didn't really have a clue about what I wanted to present. How old were you when you did the show? I was 22. Okay. I turned 23 on the show. So I had a, you know, you, you, you have a sense of who you are at, at a kind of base level. Like, oh, yeah, I'm the guy that sings rock songs. I like to have a bit of fun. I like to make people laugh and there's all that. But it's, it's, it's always a, a test of who you really are when you're put under the pump. And we were put under the pump in that show. Even when we didn't have to be under the pump, they made sure we're under the pump because that way you get television. More theories. Yeah, well, you know, you think about it. You spend seven weeks producing, seven weeks, sorry, seven days producing an episode. But I only had two minutes of television time. It doesn't take seven days to to prepare for two minutes. But, you know, they, they take all that time to really, like, milk it out and question you about things and put you in these situations, you know, under stress, which makes total sense. And I knew that before going in. But week after week, because I'd, I'd, I had had no concept of how far I would get, but I ended up making it to the semifinals. So I hadn't really put a plan in place as to how I would deal with that, even mentally, once I got to that stage. So by the time I got to the semifinal, I was just fried, absolutely fried. I remember me and my best friend, Naomi Price, who was also on the show, we, we, we were just sitting in her apartment just saying, yeah, yep, mm-hmm, yep. You just feel like you've been microwaved for five weeks, you know. It's phenomenal. And I've never experienced anything like it, and I don't think I'd want to again. Should those shows be allowed to exist, seeing as how manipulative they are? I think they exist for a reason. They exist because people at home like to see ordinary people do extraordinary things. But you say it's under manipulated circumstances, so it's not ordinary. It's, it's manipulative, I think, if you care about it enough. And this was already my life and still is my life. You know, my job, my who I am as a performer is a product, but is also me. It's that weird balance between the two. But if you're just, you know, some baker from Wollongong, I mean, you, you're happy to go home to your baking once you finish the show. And everything you get from the show or is taken away from you doesn't feel like much because that these things don't matter to you, right? But if, if people are questioning my identity on the show, which is based on not only me, but what I do for work, that's... You know, that's really, um, that's earth shaking and potentially shattering. But it did help you book that Priscilla gig, huh? Well, people talk, don't they, after they see the show? Yeah. And um, I mean, not as many things came from the show, I think, as people assume would come. I, I, in, in fact, I thought more, more, more would happen, more people would talk, more people would, you know, call out my name. But it didn't really happen. It, it, just, it just meant that you were just present in their minds so that if you were to reach out to them, they'd go, oh, of course, you were that guy who was on television. Whereas usually you'd reach out and they'd say, I'm sorry, who are you? It just gave you the one-up in that sense. Um, so anyone who wants to do those TV shows and thinks they're going to be famous, you will not be famous. Unless you're just the anomaly. There's, there's one, in, one in a million that does that thing and then boosh. 
you know, their star skyrockets. Was there ever uh, any desire uh, to do anything original? Always there is. Always there is. I'm not the best writer. I can write poetry, yes, and I like it, and I write stuff that makes sense. I'm not really good at marrying it to to melody, and I've always been or described myself as an interpreter. I'm good at taking other people's work and building on that and, and being able to understand that. And I know that's a skill of mine because I've, I have worked in the studio with other people's songs and they just go, they give me the lyrics and a rough melody and I just, you know, I take it to where I think it'll go and they go, fabulous. They're like, you're great at this. You should, do, you should do this more often. You should be a session singer. You should do this, you know. But it's just, there are so many possibilities of things to do in the performing arts world, you know, and it's television and radio and film and theatre and it's to have your fingers in all those pies and be trained enough to get all the jobs. It's, you know, it's a lot of work. And theatre just always seems to get, to give back to me, you know, as I give to it. So that's where I've remained. Will I, will I dabble into original songs and things? I've, 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 I'm talking to people always. Because you, you get a bit bored, you go, I want to try something new. And that's definitely one of the things I like to do. Not even to to release, just to get into the studio and create something that's mine. If no one ever hears it, I don't give a damn. I just want to express. So looking ahead, let's say five years or so, mm. is there anything on the horizon, any unfulfilled projects that you want to sort of get out of the way? Any places you'd like to play or anyone you'd like to play with? Oh, I, that's that's a hard one for me. I can't really... I can't really think of who, who 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 I'd want to work with. It's kind of odd. People will say, oh, I want to work with Beyonce or Jessie J. Or... I'm sure well, I'm sure there are people, but I don't. I, it's not the one thing I I don't sit around fascinated about working with particular people. But I do fascinate about being in particular places mm-hmm. and working in productions. And New York City is that I've been there twice. I'd live there in a heartbeat, but visas is a kind of difficult thing when you, you know, from the arse end of the world as we are. So. That would be it. And Broadway's there and the West End's there and I, you know, and I want to do that. And, I, and I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't happen. It's just a matter of getting there and you know, making, that, making that work. Any particular shows that you'd like to try your hand at? Priscilla, again, is definitely a show that I want to do. Um, Rent, which is the courts just um, announced that, which will be great. And uh, they better call me up. <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen would be great as well because I, I love that score and, I, and I'd, I'd sing that. I think it's time to hear um, perhaps a studio recording of, uh, of something that of you have um, you have done. Is there anything you would like to offer to us? Yeah, when we when we would learn a new song each week for the voice, we'd do a studio record, um, and that was great fun. I enjoyed that. We got about an hour each week to do that, and one week Delta gifted me her this acoustic arrangement of "I Believe in a Thing Called Love," which is the song by The Darkness. The Darkness. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, no, it's slow. It's a piano ballad with violins, and it was crazy. I didn't I didn't realize how beautiful the lyrics were until this kind of arrangement opened up those um the the, the meanings of those. So hopefully you'll get a sense of that when you hear it. explain all the feelings that you're making me feel My heart's in overdrive and you're behind the steering wheel Touching you Touching me 
touching you, God, you're touching me. I believe in a thing called love. Just listen to the rhythm of my heart. There's a chance we can make it now. Pull the rocket till the sun goes down. I believe in a thing called love. Ooh. I wanna kiss you every minute, every hour, every day. You got me in a spin, but everything is say okay. Touching you, touching me, yeah. touching you, God, you're touching me. I believe in a thing called love. Just listen to the rhythm of my heart. There's a chance we can make it now. Pull the rocket till the sun goes down. I believe in a thing called love. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Caleb Jago Ward playing Galileo in the upcoming Showbiz Christchurch production of We We Will Rock Rock You, opening March 29th, next Friday, in fact, at the Isaac Theatre Royal. Um, Galileo, tell me about the character. Galileo is precious. He is a dreamer. Oh my gosh, is he a dreamer? He is naive. He's absolutely a virgin. Um, and he has no idea what's going on about anything. That's just him to a T. So he's fun. He's fun. He doesn't. He has no sense of anything in the world. What are the um, What are the big songs that you get to to sing in the show? Uh, my first solo is um, I Want to Break Free, and then me and Scaramouche sing the duet of Under Pressure. Great fun. Who wants to live forever? You're my best friend. Headlong, Hammer to Fall. And you get of, all the great tracks. Yeah, and then of course at the end you have uh, We Were Rocky, We Are the Champions and Bohemian Rhapsody. Have you seen the show before? Never. Never seen the show. It was in Australia uh, touring recently, but I didn't I didn't manage to see it. Apart from the fact it's a paying gig, what's attracted you to, uh, to We Will Rock You? Oh, the music, absolutely. I mean, throwback to the voice and I've been singing Queen for a long time and Somebody to Love was my audition song and I just became known as the guy that sings Queen songs. So it kind of felt normal for me to do the show eventually. And even the producers of The Voice would send me messages saying, shouldn't you be doing that show? Especially when they were auditioning for it in Australia. Um, 
yeah, the music. I didn't really know much about the story. I'm learning it as we put it together. The story isn't incredibly in-depth, but there's enough there to carry you through the songs and hopefully make you laugh. And that's kind of the point of it. It's not, it's not anything heavy. It's not Shakespeare. Freddie Mercury or George Michael for somebody to love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Freddie Mercury. Look, I love George Michael. I do. Actually, what I do like George Michael doing is um, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Beautiful. I actually think he does that better than Elton John, but I don't think anyone does Freddie Mercury better than Freddie Mercury. Not even me. I think the biggest question I've got to ask you of this this whole interview is mm. what is what is your favourite Queen track and why? It's a hard one again. You know, in my seventh form year, instead of studying for any of my exams, I watched all three or four seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender and every album of Queen's. I just, well, I don't know. I was over it. I was ready to do music. That's what I loved most. It's like chocolate and steak. Yeah, I know. It's so bizarre. Well, that's that's me. You know, there's a lot going on. <laughs> All different kinds of things watching and listening to. But yeah, every album of Queens I listened to, because I just loved his voice and what he did so much, that I, I want a taste of history in terms of what they've done. Um, so I know a lot of the obscure tracks, and it was it's a tough one. It's between Seaside Rendezvous and One Vision. Now, Seaside Rendezvous I love because on the album Night of the Opera, it just seems so out of character for the rest of the album, which, you know, it opens with um, Death on Two Legs, which is him digging a grave for his record label, and you can just hear that in his voice, and then a couple of tracks down the line, you just get this sort of like kazoo bell ringing once again, what people assume we do, wearing maracas, wearing feather boas, that's that song. I think I'm going to have to go with One Vision, though. I've thought about it. This, I was listening to it again just the other day, and you feel it in your loins, for lack of a better word. This, that guitar riff and the words, and that kind of song to me embodies what rock is about. If you don't feel it, then it's not rock and roll, baby. And also lyrically, you know, just so beautiful about everyone being one. And fried chicken. Fried chicken, also my favorite thing in the world. That's the only reason I go to America so much. Fried chicken. Oh, I love it. Caleb, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic season. It's been Thank wonderful you. talking to you today on Gardener Sound. Cheers.
It's time for my track of the week. I knew I wanted to play something from Cat Stevens, who became Muslim and changed his name to Yusuf Islam way back in 1977. Today, I'll play a version of a track which I believe is hopeful because we all need a little bit of that right now. This is Peace Train. This is a, a recently re-recorded one uh, called Peace Train. lately thinking about the good things to come and I believe it could be something good has begun I've been smiling lately dreaming about the world as one and I believe it could be someday it's going to come someday it's going to come come take me home again Come on the peace train Someday it's going to come Come on the peace train mm-hmm. Come 
take me home again Peace trains sounding louder Blood on the peace train Out on the edge of darkness There rides the peace train oh, Peace train, take this country Come take me home again I've been smiling lately Dreaming about the world as one And I believe it could be Someday it's going to come Someday it's going to come Come take me home again Someday it's going to come Come on, peace train Come take me home again Someday it's going to come Someday it's going to come Someday, someday Someday it's going to come Now I've been crying lately Thinking about the world as it is Why must we go on hating? Why can't we live in bliss? Isekaya, 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 Isekaya. Peace train sounding louder, light on the peace train. Come on, peace train. Someday it's going to come. Come take me home again. Thank you so much for being here today. My guest was Caleb Jagger Ward. You can see him playing the role of Galileo in Showbiz Christchurch's We Will Rock You from Friday 29th of March to Saturday the 13th of April at the Isaac Theatre Royal. If you want to get tickets to that show or in fact find out any more about Caleb, just head along to gardenofsound.nz and click on Caleb's image on the front page. Thank you so much for being here today. Until next week, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Hi, Dada.